This is Neon Radio, episode 148, with Jordan Harbinger. Welcome to Neon Radio. I'm your host, Nick Onkin, fashion and lifestyle photographer for today's top brands, performers, and game changers. On this podcast, we explore the body, mind, and soul of the creative entrepreneur, bringing you inspiring guests to help take your creativity, business, and life to the next level. Hello, hello, fellow Neonites. This is your host, Nick Onkin. And we are here with another episode of Neon Radio. For you guys today, we have a returning guest. His name is Jordan Harbinger. He is a host of his own podcast, The Jordan Harbinger Show, which today we're going to talk about how he was fired from his old company where he ran the Art of Charm podcast over there and interviewed everyone under the sun. And he's brought that to his new venture. But we talk about what he's learned since then and how he's bounced back. We've learned about how he builds his networks and a lot about how he was able to call on people that that he's built relationships with when he needed to start over from ground zero and some of his skills and tactics around that. We learn about filtering out recommendations when you introduce people or recommend people, how to have a good filter with that. We learn how to introduce people uh, with a double opt-in connection. We learn how to say no nicely. We also learn how to get rid of toxic relationships and also how to not be a downer in relationships. All amazing tools to add to your relationship building Arsenal Toolkit. We have a few other episodes back in the archives. You can find those archives over at neonlife.com slash podcast or neonradio.com. Go over there. You can also take the Neon Life quiz if uh, neonlife.com slash quiz. And neon is spelled N-I-O-N.com. That's the first few letters of my first and last name. We pronounce it neon as in uh, living your life with your inner glow. And that is what life is all about. Living the best, creative, fulfilled life that you can possibly live. And we want to give you the tools to do that. So if you're new to the podcast, uh, go over to take the quiz. We'll serve you up some free content, free episodes that will help you out more specifically where you're at in your creative journey and life journey. This isn't just for creatives. It's for everyone who wants to be creative in their life. It doesn't mean you have to be an artist. So with that, I bring you the one, the only, Mr. Jordan Harbinger. We got Jordan Harbinger on the show, and we're gonna we're gonna jump into part two of Jordan's Jordan's life life here. That's right. We we you can we'll link up the first episode where Jordan tells us. Sorry, but yeah, you had some ago. some major major crazy stuff happen in the, yeah. in the recent few months, and uh, yeah, I would love for you to tell the story. Sure. So the brief version, because people don't need to be all up in everybody's drama. Yeah, exactly. I used to host this show called The Art of Charm, and it sounds hokey and was to an extent, but it, it had four million downloads a month at its peak, mm-hmm. and I would interview people like Shaquille O'Neal. The Nick Onkin episode probably in there somewhere. Yeah, I think so. You know, the our the usual suspects, Lewis Howes and folks like that that we all know and love. But I'd also have like Mike Rowe or Russell Brand in there. Mm-hmm. And then I negotiated a split because I wanted to take the show away from the like pickup dating business that my business partners were running. We negotiated an amicable split. That split flew off into the sunset without <laughs> me and without them. It just didn't happen. And now I'm like, oh, crap. So I'm starting over with the Jordan Harbinger show, yeah. which at first was like the most traumatizing thing. I was so upset. I couldn't sleep. My wife and I were freaking out. And turns out even it's not even been, I think it's been four months this week. It's the best thing that probably ever happened to me because yeah. I never would have had the guts to leave on my own mm. because the getting was too good. Yeah. You know, it'd be like if you were, it'd be like if you were someone's assistant and they were really famous, but they treated you like crap. Yeah. And you're like, but I'm making money and I'm hanging around great, f- cool people. Yeah, It's a choice, right? And you're like, oh, maybe one day the stars will align and I'll get all these cool clients and then leave. But you, that day never really comes. You just yeah. end up working with people that you can't stand and that, or that aren't going in the direction that you want for yeah. a really long time. Yeah, And it becomes unhealthy. So starting over is a pain. 
but there, it's kind of like the best time to plant a tree is 100 years ago. The second best time is right now. The best time for me to leave would have been a long-ass time ago. Yeah. And the second best time is right now. It's not in the future. You know, it's, I, I say this not knowing everyone's personal situation, but if you are thinking, I shouldn't be here anymore, you probably shouldn't have been there for the last 12 to 18 mm. months. And I get it. You yeah. don't want to leave because fear... And a lot of people go, feel the fear and do it anyway. Well, maybe it's not a good idea. But sometimes you, sometimes it is. Yeah. And other times the decision gets made for you like it was in my case. Yeah. But if that happens and you find yourself out on your butt, I would say don't despair. Yeah. There's a good chance that this is good for you and you just didn't have the guts to do it on your own. And if you really think about it, that is probably the case yeah. for a lot, in a lot of situations. Yeah, so how... How did you move forward once that transition happened? What was your what was your first steps after jumping out, jump, well, getting out of that? Yeah, then, yeah, getting out, getting out of it. Well, I honestly, I, I think I went through like the four or whatever nine stages of grief. I went through like three of the nine, maybe. Where you're, at first you're like, wait, what? No, no, this isn't. This is all gonna blow over. And then you're like, okay, no, this is really happening. And then you go, okay, I'm angry about it. And then you're like, oh, that's taken a lot of energy. I don't really feel like being angry about this for the next 10 years. That's yeah. kind of dumb. So then you go, all right, I'm going to rebuild. I don't think that's a restage of, I don't think that's a stage of grief. I think that was a stage that I <laughs> migrated into. You, you I don't added think you your own. Yeah, I added another stage in there. And what I realized was, all right, I can either spend a lot of time complaining and whining about it and being like, this is unfair. And even if that's true, it doesn't really get you anywhere. So I started to make a list of people that I thought I could get some help from. Mm -hmm. And I highly recommend that people do this before they get laid off, fired, or separate from their business. <laughs> I call this drill, I turned it into a drill, layoff lifelines, where imagine your business implodes right now, you're, you get fired, you get laid off. Make a list of the 10 or so people that you would talk to for advice. So make that list and then reach out to them now before you need anything, because then it's not awkward, right? The problem is people go, Oh, it's so awkward to reach out to people. It's really awkward when you're like, hey, can I have a job? I know we haven't spoken in three years. Yeah. It's far less awkward if you reach out now and then in eight months you get laid off or you're looking for a job and you're like, hey, you know, you're one of the first people that came to mind. Cause they're like, oh yeah, we, we keep in touch. This guy reached out to me a long time ago. Because yeah. what's really, when people say reaching out to their network is awkward, it's because they go, hey, yeah, saw you got married, didn't say anything. Hey, yeah, saw you moved, didn't say anything. Saw you reached out to me, been so busy, couldn't call you back. I'm broke, I need a job, can you help me? Yeah. That's awkward. That's when it's weird. <laughs> That's super awkward. Because you know you effed up, right? Yeah. Well, that also drives me crazy is when you don't hear from somebody and then they're like, oh, hey, you know, uh, how, how's it going? I, I kind of need this. And you're like, right. but are we still friends? I haven't heard from you in yeah. years. Yeah, and you're like, is it going to be Herbalife or Scientology? Is that what, what am I walking into here? <laughs> Maybe it's Amway yeah. or Cutco. Cutco, Cutco yeah. <laughs> like, I don't want to sell knives. I don't want to worship aliens. I don't know, what, whatever. Like, I don't want any part of this. Because that's what happens when someone reaches out from your past. It's unfortunate, but you have this happen two or three times, and you're yeah. like, oh, I'm getting together with a friend from high school. And you come home an hour and a half later, your wife or your girlfriend's like, what's wrong? And you're like, yeah, they didn't care about catching up at all. Yeah. They wanted me to refurbish their driveway. I don't know, whatever. Yeah, or buy some doTERRA. Buy, what is it? <laughs> the, the doTERRA, the oils, essential oils. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> there's, yeah. So you have to keep that <laughs> network alive. And if, for mo like most of us, our stuff is rusty. You know, we haven't reached out to those 10 or so people that we would reach out for yeah. advice because we don't think we'll need the advice. Yeah. So make that list now. That's why I love that layoff lifelines drill is then you don't feel like you need the advice. So if those people don't reach out back to you, you have no air of desperation. Right. If eight of them never reply, follow up in three weeks. Yeah. You know, but if you're calling them every other day, they know something's up and they're going to be like, hey, man, what's up? I'm pretty busy. What is it that I can help you with? But if you legitimately go, nothing, man, I've just been really crappy at keeping in touch with people and I wanted to reach out to you because I respect you and you've built this crazy awesome business. And, yeah. you know, I figure it's never too late to re ignite something that's that's good and they're like oh okay and then if you help them they're just like what's going on here i don't <laughs> right, understand right, right. this person came up out of nowhere and is now helping me like it's going to take a while to kick off the rust and get people's suspicions at mm -hmm. bay 
So that's how you dig the well before you're thirsty. Because most people, Dig the Well Before You're Thirsty is a book by Harvey McKay about networking, presum- mm. presumably. But yeah, that's I think a, a, one. a lot of us don't really do that because we think, I'm never going to be thirsty, so I'm good. You know, my photography business is killing it. My podcast is killing it. My live training business is killing it. Why would I reach out to Dan? I don't care, man. I don't need him for anything. And then you're like, oh, I need an expert like Dan. Hey, bro. Hey, man, it's been so long. It, that, that's why it's awkward. That's why you feel phony if you're a nice person. Mm-hmm. That's why networking is a dirty word because you're like, I don't want to be that guy. I hate those people. Yeah. But you don't hate people that go, hey, Nick, I met somebody that I think you'd really gel with and they live in your neighborhood. You want an inter- introduction? Yeah. And then you're like, there's nothing in it for me. Yeah. But that's fine. So I introduce you and you end up hiring that person to redecorate your place because you need more stars. Right. <laughs> right? So, so like, because there's not enough stars in here. There's not enough. <laughs> so you, you end up with that social capital, building up that good karma, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. And then later on down the line, if I do have something where I'm like, crap, I can't believe I ended up out of my butt after 11 years. I'm doing the Jordan Harbinger show. I could use a little bit of a solid. It's not weird because you're just reaching out to your friends. Yeah. Yeah. You're just reaching out to your friends. You're not calling somebody that doesn't keep in touch with you. You're not calling somebody that you shafted when they needed something. Right. You didn't have time for them. (laughs) Right. You're just calling up your friends. Yeah. So what would you say like would be taught like three things that you of value that you can offer people? Yeah, that's a good question. Because most people go, look, I don't have money or I don't have high level connections. So this is a common I would say like misdom or a mistake that people make is thinking they don't have anything to offer. They're, oh, I'm in college. I'm in film school. I don't have any connections yeah. for this important photographer or this important movie guy or this important business person. Your network's really unique to you. Mm-hmm. So if you've spent a decent amount of time building it, and even if you're just getting started, it doesn't matter. If you spend enough time building it, you, like I know you, I've got a bunch of your friends on, on my Rolodex that mm-hmm. I know less well than you, and I've got a bunch of friends out on the other coast that I know better than you that you also are tied with. Yeah. But I also know people that you've never met, and vice versa, right? You know a ton of people that I haven't. So my network's unique to me. So if I need to help Dan with something because I want to get his attention because he's somebody that I want to bring into our network, assuming he doesn't already work with you, right? I don't have to be a billionaire donor to his charity. I don't have to be somebody who can go, hey, look, I'm bringing a lot of talent to your organization. What I can do is say, oh, you know, I heard you're into Bitcoin and cryptocurrency investing. How are you doing your tax planning? And Dan goes, uh, yeah, it's kind of this dirty little secret that I was kind of hoping the IRS doesn't find out about all my Bitcoin, right? And I go, look, I know this really good CPA. He's helping a lot of crypto guys who are just striking it rich. Mm. And he's developing some structures about how they can declare some of their funds without just paying through the nose 60 plus percent tax, whatever. Do you want it, would that introduction be helpful? And he's like, oh yeah, that's great. Now I just met that other person at some random cafe or party or through another friend. Yeah. So my value is introducing Dan and this CPA. Yeah. My value is making those introductions and getting out of the way. <laughs> yeah. I'm not trying to figure out how to plan taxes for crypto investors. Right. I'm in film school or whatever. Yeah. So your value is the other people you have in your network that you're plugging into each other. Right. Even people with huge networks don't really realize that they're not thinking about what they can do for other people most of the time. And that's the mistake. So mm. and a lot of people right now are going, you know, well, I don't even know anybody. You do. You just really think you don't. That's why we go back to the layoff lifelines drill that I just gave earlier Make that list of 10 people because those tend to be your highest value relationships. Sure, it's going to be like your dad and your uncle. Yeah. If, you, if those are the first two, then do 12 instead of 10. But you'll be reaching out to professors that you had that you think are really sharp, that you know have startups going on. Yeah. You'll reach out to old people in your neighborhood or people in your neighborhood, your old neighborhood that you know were into something. You'll reach out to your cousin's friend. That, those are high value relationships. Yeah. And then you can, explain, you can expand outward from there. Yeah. So the value really isn't oh, what's this thing that you can do as a talented graphic designer? If the person doesn't need graphics, you're not doing graphics for them. Right. It's plugging other people into other people in your network, yeah. even if you have to start really small. Yeah. That's the number one way to deliver value. Yeah. So one, one question on that would be, how do you filter? You know, because you're like, you don't, obviously if you make a bad recommendation, yeah. that comes back to hit you in the face. It does. 
So first of all, <laughs> it's always good to have people's reputations checked out. And I don't mean you have to hire a private investigator to be like, hey, is this, uh, is this Nick Onkin guy, con man or what? You know, right, right, right. you might go, oh, well, I got introduced to you through this person. So I'll go, how, how do you know him? Oh, man, I've been friends with him for years. Cool. Have you ever like hired him to shoot your photos? No, but my friend Jane has. I'm like, would you mind introducing me to her? Because I'm, you know, he's not cheap. He's a pretty talented photographer, but it, that comes with a heavy price. Is this going to be something that I'm going to really get value from? And he's yeah. like, all right, I'll, I'll connect you to Jane. So I call her and I say, hey, how well do you know this guy? Not that well, but I hired him for photos and they turned out awesome. Okay, yeah. cool. Do you know anyone else that knows mm. him besides the person that introduced us? Yeah, I referred him to this other person. So I might call that person or email that person and go, just doing my diligence on this Nick guy. It's really a lot of, a lot of outlay. Yeah. And they're like, well, look, here's my Instagram. All the, almost all these photos are from him. All right, these are really good. You know, They're yeah. not sent by you. They're not the 10 that you have that are good. They're, <laughs> I'm seeing a repeatable pattern of good work from you. So I might reach out in that way. The other thing you can do is if I've never dealt with the Bitcoin CPA, but I'm recommending him for Dan, I might say, hey, look, Dan, I've never worked with this guy. He supposedly does a lot of crypto tax planning, mm -hmm. but if you're going to work with him, you might want to find out some of his other clients, and I'm happy to help where I can insofar as looking at social media to see if we have mutual friends, asking him for client recommendations, things like that, if you don't want to do it because you don't want to be on his radar. Because someone who's like, yeah, I just made $100 million of Bitcoin might not want to call a CPA and go, so here's the problem. I'm loaded now, and I want somebody who's not going to rob me. Can you give me an honest answer? That's con <laughs> right. man bait. So maybe I offer to do that for them and yeah. do a little bit of diligence there. Got but it. always be upfront and honest because the reason these things bite people in the butt is because they go, oh man, yeah, my friend Adam is such a great photographer. He's the bomb. All the celebrities love him. And then someone hires him and goes, this guy didn't show up. The work product is hella late. His assistant was a total noob. We spent half the time trying to figure out how his new camera works. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I don't know, man. I never really worked with him or anything. Dude, you told me he was the, the man. Oh, I was just trying to get my friend a job. Like, no, be honest about yeah. it. I don't mind if you refer someone who you've never worked with, but don't tell me they're the best thing since sliced bread when you have no clue and you're just trying to, you know, make <laughs> it big with them. Absolutely. Get in their pants, if you will. You know, I don't need that. I need the honest truth. <laughs> so true, so true. Yeah, because it's hard to avoid that stuff. It is. And you can't insure everyone's work product. Like if I refer you to somebody, I know you're not going to screw it up. I've been friends with you for years. You're a great photographer. I don't have to worry about that. But if I'm referring somebody that I don't know at all, I have to be very upfront about that. Yeah. And yeah. people go, well, I don't want to do that because it looks like it's a lower value. If I don't know this person can do a good job, maybe I'm just wasting the time. So that's why we do what's called a double opt-in introduction. Mm. So instead of if I'm introducing you to Dan, you'd say he doesn't work with you, right? I'm like, hey, I know you're on the market for, a, are you an assistant? Because I don't want to lower your, are you, okay. You're on the market for an assistant. You know, you never know. I want to treat you right. <laughs> Do you mind if I introduce you to this guy, Dan? I've never worked with him, but he worked with a friend of mine and comes recommended. Or he's a really nice person who always has shown up on time for his other job. Yeah. That's all, that in itself is probably high praise for yeah. somebody in any position. Do you mind if I introduce you to him? And you say, yeah, sure. And I say, all right, hey, Dan, uh, I know you're looking for gigs. My friend's a great photographer. Are you looking for somebody who's like in Brooklyn, already has a couple people working with him? Are you cool with that intro? That way, you both get a little bit of a brief introduction. So you don't come into it thinking, oh, yeah, how do you know Jordan? Your guys are clearly really close. I kind of tell you how I know each of you. I ask each of you if it's okay to introduce you to each other. And then I make that introduction. Mm. This avoids a few problems. One, introducing people who go, uh, yeah, you know, I, you know, I fired Dan like three years ago. <laughs> oh, oops, awkward. Or I'm not actually on the market for an assistant. I'm not sure why you made this introduction. And now you've got to let him down. I just put a monkey on your back for no reason. Yeah, I've had that happen where people just introduce me to somebody out of the blue. And I'm like, I don't, A, I don't know who this person is or what, like at least yeah. give me some context as to why you're introducing yeah. us. Yeah, it's, it's so weird. It's awkward. It puts a monkey on your back. And the other thing could be like, oh, um, I've been avoiding Dan for like three months and pretending that his emails were getting caught in spam because I, <laughs> he stepped on my fingers at a party 
and then didn't apologize, right? And now you're like, thanks, Jordan, for putting him just right in front of me where I have to be like, hey, man, long time no see. That doesn't awkward. show, it's awkward and it signals non-professionalism. Like you said, you get these, these kind of fall from the sky introductions and I get these all the time too for the Jordan Harbinger show. People go, hey, I want you to meet my friend Sam. Sam runs a multi-five-figure ebook publishing business. And I'm like, uh-huh. Oh, wait, I get it. You want me to interview him? No, not a chance. But now they're in my inbox and I have to be like, hey, good to meet you. Not really looking for this for my show, but let me know if I can help you in some other way. And now I'm like on the hook for, now, or I look like a jerk. Yeah. Oh yeah, you don't want to interview me? Well, guess you're really important, Jordan Harbinger. F you, bro. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, that's yeah. That's the other thing is like, how do you deal with turning people down without being that guy? Yeah, yeah. So hopefully your friends are using the double opt-in. Hopefully you're using the double opt-in from now on. But if you find yourself on the bad end of a double opt-in, I'm as honest as possible without hurting people's feelings if I can avoid it. So mm-hmm. what that means is I what I don't do is go, wow, multi five figure ebook publisher. That's fascinating. Uh, I'm really busy right now. Let's set up a call in a few months and then ignore them forever. That's rude. You know, what I will say, oh, the other thing I won't do is go, wow, multi-five figure ebook publishing, that sucks. I only want to interview people who are really successful and that guy's not, you're not successful at all, man. You're not cool enough to be on my show. Nobody would ever say that. Right. But you, you can signal that in a way without being very thoughtful. And I don't want to do that either because that person could go, yeah, well, I'm the first multi seven figure ebook publisher that get that ever got there in under 10 months and then you're like hey long time no see buddy sorry yeah. i've been so awol life's crazy now you're trying to get back in their good graces so right. i'll usually say things like hey i'm really happy for your success that's happened in a short period of time multi five figures God, it took me probably 6 7 years to get there with the jordan harbinger show uh, there's obviously a lot for me to learn from you right now i'm looking for people with a little bit of a bigger footprint i have no doubt you're going to get there in the next few months or years Please keep in touch and let me know if I can help you in some other way. Mm. Not a good fit for the show right now, but you never know. Obviously, you're really talented. That didn't cost me anything. Yeah. I just didn't have, it just wasn't a dick about it. That's great. It doesn't cost you anything, but I was still honest. Yeah. You're not what I'm looking for, but you damn well might be. Yeah. I never know. And the truth is, you don't ever know. It's true. You have no idea if the person whose art you think is garbage is going to be like the next Banksy. Sure. The kid spray painting graffiti on your wall outside, just looking for a canvas, man. You know, <laughs> that's me. Wait, oh. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> or inside, for example. <laughs> so back to the the value three three values. Oh right? yeah. So Num- the, number two. Right. So I, good memory. See? You know, that's a skill in itself, right there. Because I honestly was kind of hoping you would just forget about that, and I was like, I just gave one. He's yeah, fine but then with one. then somebody's gonna be listening to. It, they're like, wait, where's the other? Jordan only two? gave one. Knucklehead. F that yeah. guy. Yeah, forget that guy. I'm going to listen to his show. Yeah, I'm not unsubscribe. I was subscribed to the Jordan Harbinger show, and I'm unsubscribing now. I wanted those three one. pieces of value, damn it. Right. So number one with a bullet is definitely connecting other people to others in your network. Mm-hmm. That's going to be the highest leverage, and it's really scalable. Because, yeah. again, if I'm a graphic designer, for example, and I have to do graphics for you, that could take me six days. Yeah. But an email introduction to somebody else and a little bit of thought behind it, six minutes. Mm-hmm. So that's number one with a bullet. Number two, if you don't have anyone in your network that you can hook them up with, or you've already done that and you want to help a little bit more, what I like to do, you're never going to, like, I, all right, if I'm trying to give some value to you, I'm not going to be able to go to Ad Age or some magazine and go, here's this article. You're going to go, yeah, I, I know, this is my industry. I spent an hour reading every morning. I read this last week. Or I might find something you haven't seen but is it really helpful? Eh, I don't know. You might not be into it. Yeah. So what I might do is find a personal interest instead of a professional interest. Mm. So if I look at your LinkedIn profile or your social media, I'm like, wow, he's really into he's really into traveling in Africa or developing world, Cuba. I wonder if he knows about North Korea. He might really want to photograph a place like that. Maybe not now. But back a couple <laughs> years ago, yeah. when I was going there a few times. Maybe then. So I might send you an article that's like, hey, man, look, this is something I know kind of is adjacent to your interests. Here's an article about a tour there. I do know somebody who might be able to get you there if you're ever interested in it. And you might just read this North Korea article and go, eh, nah. But I'm, it shows the thought. It shows that I'm thinking about it. So there's ways to deliver value there. Mm. 
And people go, oh, send them articles in knowledge. Yeah, but if you send me a pod- podcasting article, I've been doing podcasting stuff for 11 and a half years. There's a re- 99.9% chance that whatever you're sending me is going to be so basic or something I just read that it's yeah. It's like, oh, here's this kid who emails me every week, an article that I read a month ago. You know, right. it, the thought matters, but it's mm-hmm. not helpful. Yeah. So it's like you're halfway there. Right. So sending them knowledge and interesting things, good. Trying to do it on a professional level can be shaky. So try to find a personal interest using social media or even just ask their friends. Like, hey, I heard Nick went to Cuba. Does he like traveling or does he just like Cuba? Because maybe your parents are Cuban and that was the whole thing and you right. couldn't care less about other countries. So you, the friends might go, nah, he went to Africa with Pencils of Promise. You know, he goes to South America with, with freaking Bieber or whatever. Yeah. You know, he's, un, he's into all this weird stuff. Okay, cool. North Korea might be a good fit. Yeah. And so the third tip, because I know you're not going to forget now because I've, I've made it too, uh, I highlighted <laughs> it too much. A third tip for giving people or sending value to people, aside from the introductions and sending them some sort of knowledge, yeah. would be things like helping them form a presentation or helping them get a talk of some kind. Uh, this is something that nobody ever really does because it seems like either too much work or possibly giving you work that you don't want. But if you sort of double opt in it, mm-hmm. then it works fine. So I might say, hey, look, I don't know if you speak a lot, but there's a lot of conferences that I go to and some of them have a lot of artsy folks who are looking to make money doing what they love. And yeah. you're a photographer. You obviously love it. You're making money doing what you love. Would you be interested in speaking in San Diego? I don't know how much they pay, but they'll definitely fly out to San Diego, put you up, and you can do a lot of the other things you would normally do in San Diego trip, but you'll go for free. Yeah. And you might go, you know, that isn't a bad idea. Yeah, yeah. sure. And then I might go, good, if you need help throwing this thing together, throw your slides by me or throw your talk by me. I'd be happy to sort of see if it's a good fit because I've gone to this conference three times in a row. Yeah. And you're like, this kid's great. He's got me a speaking gig. You know, they're paying me five grand and put me up in California. This is a good, this is a good dude. Yeah. But I didn't have anybody to introduce you to per se in your industry for, for a need you had. I mm-hmm. sort of assumed that you had the need to speak or the desire to speak because who doesn't want to go on a nice trip or get paid to speak about something they already do. Yeah. So that's a really good way to deliver some value. And if you don't know who's organizing a conference, it, this is a great way to, to even get it in front of a conference organizer because it might be like, look, I'm in film school, I'm 19 years old, I don't have any chance I'm speaking at your thing in yeah. San Diego, yeah. but I'm friends with this photographer and then I know this other guy who runs Bitcoin startups. Are you interested in either <laughs> of these two guys? So now I'm helping him find speakers and I'm helping these people get speaking gigs. Yeah, yeah. It so, almost seems like you could also, it's like getting people press as well. Right, yeah, press. Actually, press is probably even easier than a speaking gig, yeah. but maybe a little bit less valuable because somebody gets flown out to Australia, makes 15 grand going to speak, much better than a, hey, I got you a shout in HuffPo. Yeah. You know, but do what you can. Yeah. Do what you can. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I, would, I guess there'd be two different categories. But, Definitely, yeah. 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 Maybe one's, maybe that's a fourth one. Sure, yeah. Yeah, I'll give you that. <laughs> In the world of adding, you know, the three. There you go. It's In a little fact, different. That, uh, that's not bad, getting people press. Jen, can you make a quick note about that? Getting people <laughs> press and then uh, getting them speaking gigs, because I don't think I've ever written that one down. There you go. There you go. See, now the value for me is I'm adding to my little spiel here. Exactly. My, exactly. my spiel, I'm going to give that, I'm going to send that out to my email list as a, as a challenge. Perfect. Challenge to get you press? To get, yeah. If you need someone to get other people press, and if you're looking for a target, just let's just throw it at me. This yeah, guy, throw right, it this yeah. way. That's right. I love it. So when you were started, when you had to start over, how did you go about starting to ask your friends so, for favors? Right, yeah, we come full circle. So the reason that digging the well before I was thirsty was so great was because I'm, and I don't want to pat myself on the back for this. I was always teaching people, hey, dig the well before you're thirsty, reach out, maintain those relationships. I wasn't thinking, one day I'm going to be super screwed over and I'm going to need all of these. I was just like, this is a good way to live. It's fun helping other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, walking my own walk, practicing what I preach, always kind of a good move. Right, you know, Because right. whenever people are like, wow, yeah, I met that guy, Mr. Positivity, total D-bag. That's never a good <laughs> look, right? Or like, uh, hey, have you ever seen Nick take a photo? No, but he says he's a photographer. Are we sure about this? You know, you got to walk the walk. So I was doing that for 11 plus years, and now it's saving my butt, these relationships. So the first thing I did, because I was feeling beat up, was I went, all right, 
I need to pick the first dozen or two dozen people that I know are going to say yes. So I reach out to you and I'm like, dude, I, I, I need to like have some good news. Can I come on your show or can you introduce me to somebody or whatever? And I, I made it, I made that list first. Yeah. And I reached out to like Brett McKay, Art of Manliness, you know, David Burke, his friend of a friend, Lewis Howes, like you, uh, all, John Corcoran and plenty of other people that I won't waste your audience's time listening to everybody. Right? Right, right. But I knew those folks would say yes and be cool about it. And that was important to me because if I reached out to a bunch of folks just haphazardly and they were like, Oh, I don't know. I'm pretty busy it could have just demolished my confidence at this moment mm-hmm. when I was already kind of feeling down because I saw this mountain that I had to climb in yeah. front of me. And I knew those folks would say yes. So I reached out to them for you all first, got a bunch of yeses, started being like, okay, this isn't going to be that hard. Yeah. Right. I, I reached out to these 20 people. They're already, um, even if these are the only people that say yes, I've got a, some, some snowball rolling down the hill momentum yeah. that's going to help me out with rebuilding this. Yeah. That was the first thing I did. And I highly recommend that. That's why the layoff lifelines thing from the beginning of the show is so useful mm-hmm. because you don't have to pick people who you know are going to say yes. Pick the highest value relationships. But if you're already like, I'm fired, uh, my parents are kicking me out of their garage tomorrow, <laughs> reach out to the people you know are going to say yes because you don't want to end up at the end of your rope going, I'm out of luck everywhere. And if you haven't burned all your bridges, which most of us haven't, then you're going to have a bunch of people who will say yes to you. And then you can make that sort of wish list of everyone else. And you can reach out to them too. And what I found was since I expected so many people to say yes, since I had had such great luck with the other ones, that when someone said, hey, it's not really a good time for me right now, like, in fact, case in point, Lewis was like, dude, I just promoted you a few months ago. I don't want to fatigue my audience. He, and he was like, I'm sorry, but let's do this in a few months. I wasn't like, screw you, buddy. I was like, oh, yeah, no problem. Totally get it. Not a, not a big deal. Yeah. And that's good because what you don't want is to have something like that happen and then be like, I thought we were friends. I hate you. You know, like you don't want to feel bad about it and you don't want them to feel bad about it because they're looking out for their audience, which they should be doing as well. Absolutely. So you want your friends who are going to say yes. And then even if they say yes, but not now. And then when you reach out to other folks, there's going to be people who go, look, you're dead to me. Your platform's gone. And now that you're not a famous podcaster, there's no (laughs) such thing. Now that you're not a famous Instagrammer, I don't care about you anymore. There's going to be one or two out of a hundred you don't want to be, you don't want to care. When you hear that, you should be like, eh, next. Yeah. You don't want to be in a position where you're like, oh crap, I was totally banking on that. Yeah. Or now I'm going to have an emotional reaction to this person Yeah. because they yeah, hurt totally. my feelings. You want to be in a place where you go, all right, fine. I already had the first 20 people say yes. I've got a list of 60 more. <laughs> I don't really care if this person can't help me. I've, and it's, if you've spent all that time digging the well, if you've spent all that time maintaining those relationships even if you've done a poor job, but if done anything at all, mm-hmm. and you're not just living in a cave somewhere, you will find that you have plenty of people that will help you, yeah. even if you think that they won't. Because that was what I was afraid of. Mm-hmm. I thought, oh man, I left the Art of Charm. Now I'm on the Jordan Harbinger show. Is anyone going to care? The answer was yes, but I didn't know that. Right. I could have easily have just had people be like, I thought a lot of people aren't going to return these emails. A lot of people aren't going to return these texts and phone calls. The That was not the case. Yeah. That was not the case. And I don't think that's unique to me. I did do a good job digging and maintaining the, digging the well, maintaining those relationships, but I don't think that somebody who never did is going to find that they suddenly have no friends. That's so unlikely. Yeah. Unless you're a total douche. Right. There are people that are jerks that think they're too cool for school and they got their TV show and then cut out all their friends and family and never answered the phone again because <laughs> they're too busy hanging out with you know, reality TV stars. Those people are in trouble. Yeah. But that's not... Those people aren't, aren't watching us right now. <laughs> totally. So what did you learn from the last show that you're a, either doing or doing differently yeah. with this show? So on the last show that I'm bringing to the Jordan Harbinger show, 11, well, goes without saying, 11 plus years of experience, yeah. interviews, strategies, and skills, those are things that I'm bringing over, of course. But what I have noticed that I think is a key sort of not tangible is not the right word, but a key idea that I'm bringing across and bringing over to the new show is the practical exercises. I always like teaching the audience something, just, you know, like the layoff lifelines, the double opt-in, those kind of things that I'm talking about here. Every episode of the Jordan Harbinger show 
I make sure the guest teaches us something. It's not mm. just an inspirational story. It's not just a, you can do it. Put your mind to it, rainbow, right? I don't, <laughs> I don't like that. I think that stuff's like cheap. Inspiration in itself is generally kind of cheap. Yeah. I want practical exercises, especially if I've got a hold of some super talented musician, writer, neuroscientist. We already know they have a book. I don't just want the stuff in the book. I don't want to just hear about their new album. I don't want to hear about that. I want to have them go, you know, one thing I've learned in 40 years of playing the guitar is this. And that's what I want. So every episode mm. of the Jordan Harbinger show has worksheets, which sounds nerdy and oh. is, but every episode, my team will make a worksheet so that you can listen to it at the gym or in the car and you don't have to be like, crap, I'm getting all this homework. I'm not remembering it. It's going to stress you out. You can just enjoy the show. And then you go to the show notes later and you go, oh, right, name four ways of giving value or three ways of giving value. Okay, cool. I remember that from the car. I didn't have to write that in my phone. Right, right, right. Oh, okay. Larry King said that the key to conversation is curiosity and here's three ways to develop curiosity. So you don't really have to take notes yourself. The worksheet will prompt you to do that later. I love that. So that, and that also is a good guide for me because I'm thinking, crap, I've done this whole show. It's 45 minutes long. What's going to be in this worksheet? The answer can't be, well, nothing. Right, I have to think what's gonna go in this worksheet. So when I'm reading the book and doing my, I do six to 10 hours of prep for each guest, which is wow. I think uh, towards the, the high end amount of things that, of time that people spend. Yeah, I'm always thinking, all right, this thing is gonna be good for the worksheet. That thing's gonna be good for the worksheet. So I'll sort of circle it or highlight it or wherever, you know, whatever I'm doing as prep so that I make sure that the guest gets that to the audience. That's great, that's great. Man, how many, how many do you put out a week? Three. But one show is just me giving advice. So I'll help people with problems. They write in and they're like, hey, should I do this or should I do that? Or like this person in my life is causing me all this drama. What do I do? So I'll give advice. It's either me or me and my producer or I'll call in an expert and have them help if it's really heavy duty. Yeah. And then the other two are interviews, the other two episodes each yeah. week. So what have you learned from, say, the, like the past, the, the interviews that you've done before and had to apply that to the drama that's ensued, mm. you know, because a lot of it obviously is like personal development and learning how to handle and manage emotions with other people and your own emotions. I mean, you went through yeah. a, a shit ton of dark stuff yeah. going through this. What, like, what kind of things did you learn get to get through it? One thing that was really helpful that a lot of people had told me before was think about what you can do to move forward. Don't think about things like revenge or uh, what's gonna, what, are the, what are those other people doing now? Or like forget about all that. Because of course my attorneys were like, you got a good claim, you should sue the crap out of them. And I'm like, no, no. I don't want to spend the next 18 to 24 months going back and forth in court reliving and rehashing a bunch of stuff with a bunch of people that I am, should be grateful that are in my past only mm-hmm. in the rear view mirror, mm, you know? Good. So... And I think it was Sean T who was like, make sure your windshield's bigger than your rearview mirror. Something like that. I may be butchering this, but what he means is spend you know this tiny amount of time looking back and maybe only look at the positive things other than the lessons you need. Like, hey, if someone does this, it means they're kind of a psycho. Take note, you know, yeah. that lesson. But don't spend all of your time being like, here's how I was wronged five years ago. Does everybody want to hear about this again? again. No, you know? <laughs> so have that windshield bigger than your rear view mirror, mm. which sounds good for just traffic safety in general, <laughs> but, <laughs> but also as, as life advice, because you want to be able to look forward and go, great, I've got the Jordan Harbinger show now. I've got my team with me because I was able to bring the vast majority of the team that was working with me. In fact, the entire team that was really working with me yeah. to this new venture. And I'm looking forward to this. But if I'm really just dwelling on the past, well, what? I'm just waking up angry every day, pissed off about everything. Nobody wants to be around that. Right. Not only is that bad for me, it's bad for other people around me. And then if you're bad for other people around you, you're only going to have people in your life that are just kind of cool being around toxic crap all the time, that's not healthy. Yeah, It's not healthy for you, it's not healthy for them. And then you wake up one day and you go, why are all my friends just terrible, miserable people? And the answer is because all of your good friends who are nice and positive ran. Because they, they listened to you vent once or twice and then they went, okay, you're not, you're not healthy for me to be around. Yeah. And now you have no friends. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. It's hard to be around toxic people. It is, yeah. I think the older you get, the older I get, the more I'm like, just want to be around people. Life's too short, man. Yeah. 
And people go through hard times. So if you're going through a hard time, by all means, lean on your friends. Yeah. And if, you're, if your friend's going through a hard time, by all means, be there for them. But if they went through a hard time 18 months ago and it's all they ever talk about, you owe it to them as their friend to go, hey, are you seeing a therapist about this kind of thing? Because <laughs> there are traumatic events that happen to people that require years of healing. I get that. It doesn't mean you should ditch those people as friends. If someone came back from Iraq or Afghanistan and has some stuff going on or they lost a child, it's going to be a while. But if they can't function outside of that, you have to get them, you have to make sure that they get the right help. And if they won't do that, you can't save everyone. Right. Right. You know, you can't be there for everyone. Yeah. And ultimately, you have to take responsibility for your life and where mm-hmm. you're at. So, at a point where it becomes about like being a victim to everyone else. Right. Yeah. You know, and not getting out of that state. Because that victim mindset, that it's designed to get people to sympathize for you, to give you energy, mm-hmm. which is if you are indeed a victim of something, then okay. You get your five minutes or your five days or five weeks, whatever it is, depending on how severe it is, of sympathy and everything, right? Yeah. But if then you go, oh, this is really useful for me to feel good because I can suck energy from other people. Well, you're a vampire yeah. at a certain point. Yeah, I don't know if you ever read uh, Eckhart Tolle. Yeah, a long time ago, the, yeah. The New Earth. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember which is which. All those books kind of blur Yeah, together. well, there's a section in there called the, that he talks about the pain body being like, becoming the ego's identity Mm. which is kind of what you're talking about it's like people get pumped up their ego gets pumped up from being the victim and having that pain and yeah you know they get showered with sympathy so that pumps them up it does and look if you're worried about becoming that kind of person you probably don't really have to worry about it maybe go see a therapist or ask your friends honestly if you do it too much and if you have good friends they'll tell you for real but the kind of person i'm talking about is the kind of person where you and I go out to dinner with them and we're like, hey, uh, we've known this person for like 18 minutes and we just heard about their past abusive relationship, their baby daddy issues. <laughs> okay, that's a little weird. And then we go out to dinner with them again like five months later and I'm like, is this deja vu? She right. just brought up the same stuff again. Same. How did that, we're talking about photography and Kate Moss and then suddenly it's like, oh, I remember the first time I saw a Kate Moss ad. It was with this guy who used to, ab- and we're like, Right now, (laughs) you know, because that then you know, oh, wait a minute, this is one of those sort of magnets where every conversation suddenly becomes about my drama. Yeah, it's like, oh, this is like an unaddressed issue. Yeah, but then what happens usually is then the conversation becomes about that person and their issues, and you just realize, oh, we just had another 90 minute dinner all about Jane's issues, yeah, about her ex boyfriend, and that is super unhealthy. So, if that's you, if you're doing that stuff. If you're trying to figure out ways to change the conversation into something that happened to you, yeah, then you should address that particular very good point type of of thought process. Yeah, and if you if you can't stop doing it, I think it can honestly become an addiction. Yeah, because it's really easy to get addicted to becoming a victim because it feels so good to have people dote on you and feel bad for you. And then they want to buy your dinner because all these bad things happened with you, and you know, <laughs> oh man, she's I just. Bless her, she's so strong. Like, you know, you can get hooked on those feelings. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that whatever happened to you is something that you should ignore uh, or that you deserved in any way. I'm not saying that. But I think a lot of people get hooked on this sort of energy coming to me mindset. Yeah. And it's it's bad. It's bad news. Absolutely. Yeah, self-awareness is such a huge thing, like a huge piece of moving forward. Yeah, it is. Becoming a better human. And I think my original point, now I've lost, I've completely lost the plot here, but I'm pretty sure my initial <laughs> point was that I wanted to become, be very careful not to be like, hey, Nick, what's going on, buddy? Haven't talked to you for a while. Did I tell you about the latest thing that is wrong in my life? You know, I was really cognizant to go, I vented about this for the first like month. I was really going through a tough time. I called in a lot of favors and help. I'm now focused on moving forward. So now when people go, hey, what's going on? Should I even ask what's going on with the whole legal split and the new show? I don't go, these mother... You know, I don't do that. <laughs> I go, actually, everything's going really well. First month, we got 1.3 million downloads. We're at like 5 million right now. Every week, the show's bigger than the next. I don't go, and then these guys, you know, they're still... I just forget it. You know, focus on what's positive because otherwise, I'm going to go crazy. Absolutely. Yeah, because then you just puts you in that back mm-hmm. in that mental state and that... 
Yeah, why do I want to talk about all the negatives? I'd love to talk about all the stuff that's going right in my life. Yeah. There's plenty of it. And yeah. for most of us, that's the case. That's great, that's great. So what would be your top three books that you're into? I know you're a big book guy. I read so much, man. You know, people keep saying, what are your top three books? And I keep going, I only have one. I need to like have more go-to books. The first one is almost cliche, but How to Win Friends and Influence People. The book is like 90 years old now or at least close to it. Wow. But maybe 80. But it's so good, man. It's so good. It's Dale Carnegie. All the examples are like typewriters because there was no internet, no computers back in 1928 or 38. But the ideas are so great in there. Like be interested in other people and talk about things that are interesting for other people. Make them the focus. You know, yeah. Don't vent your anger on this. If you really feel terrible about something, write a letter out, put it away, never send it. Like All these little... It's kind of the beginning of the self-help movement, I think, in a lot yeah. of ways. Really good book. Really, really positive. The guy was obviously a superstar. I think he started off as like a janitor and then invented all this content. Yeah. So if he can do this being somebody who cleans toilets all day, I think all of us can take a page or two out of that one. <laughs> yeah, right. I really love that book, How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. And it's so old that you can find it at a used bookstore or you can buy it on Audible and listen to it. But uh, don't be dissuaded by the examples that are being like, John was a typewriter salesman and was having a tough time because the thing is, you know, that <laughs> yeah, was like the updated old, version. So old, yeah. yeah, the updated version is probably 1958, you know. I also really enjoy, let me find some David recent Burkus? stuff. David Burkus, yep. Thanks, Jen. Oh, yeah, David Burkus, he wrote a book called Friend of a Friend. It's all about networking and relationship okay. development. Okay. I'm going to pick some recent stuff so I don't just go to the same old stuff. That I've oh, been you're an audiobook from. guy too. Oh huh? my gosh, yeah. I've got Dude. like 120 audiobooks on here. <laughs> I'm like, I'm an audible junkie. Yeah, this this show sponsored by Audible. Well, maybe not. It should be. <laughs> it should be. No. Yeah. Those. Oops. I started playing a book by mistake. That's what happens when you're shifting through your phone. So I love audiobooks because I can take phone calls outside and walk around, and then between calls I can do this. A lot of people go, "Oh, I never have time to read." You kind of do. You just probably listen to music at the gym. Well, I yeah. can't read an audiobook while I'm working out. Yeah, you totally can. It's the same. When you're walking around outside. Listen to a book. If you're chilling, laying down, yeah, about to take a nap, absolutely. read a book. There's all kinds of time to read. So, all right, How to Win Friends and Influence People. Friend of a Friend by David Burkis was a, a really good one recently. All Like I said, all about networking. And another one that I liked recently was Thinking in Bets by Annie Duke. Have you heard of this? No. So she's a professional, oh, she's retired now, professional poker player. And she talks about how beliefs are formed And I did an episode with her, of course, about this because this is like straight up my nerd alley. But the way that we think we form beliefs is, well, I saw this information and I gathered it and then I evaluated all of it and then I formed a belief based on this information. That is not how we actually form beliefs, though. The way that we form beliefs is we look at a situation, we immediately form a belief, then we look for all of the information that supports the belief that we randomly came up with out of nowhere based on our gut, and then any information that contradicts it, we usually look for ways to minimize that information because mm. it contradicts our belief. Yeah. So we might think like, uh, well, you know, the best president is Donald Trump, right? And, you're, and then it's like, well, why? Okay, well, I don't know. I just randomly believe this. Okay, well, I'm going to look for all the information that supports that belief. Yeah, but, you know, he did this other really terrible thing, and then we're like, ah, no collusion, you know, <laughs> or whatever. Yeah, and we yeah. discard that information. And I don't care where your politics are. This is probably a, an example that's going to get you in trouble. Uh, but I don't <laughs> care. Because <laughs> good luck with all those emails. But, uh, <laughs> but that's what we look for. We look for that in politics. We look for it in religion, relationships, pretty much everything. But uh, what Annie Duke does is she says, look, we want to think in bets. And what that means is we go, all right, I think with 80% certainty that this is the best place for me to live. Hmm. So now if I find information that's contrary to that, I don't go, oh, shoot, I got to minimize that because I'm not doing a binary, this is the best place for me to live, that's the worst place for me to live. I'm going 80% Brooklyn's the best place for me. So if I find something that would minimize that by 10%, I go, oh, maybe I'm now only 70% sure because, yeah, a lot of my potential clients are in Manhattan or Queens. Right, So it doesn't hurt my ego to lower my belief by 10%, but it might hurt my subconscious or my ego to go, I was wrong about this. 
That's why we look to minimize that contradictory information. Mm. So if you think in bets where you're thinking in percentages of certainty, then you start to evaluate information in a completely different way. Interesting. Does that make sense? I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, good stuff, man. So where can people find your, your new show? They here? can find it wherever fine podcasts are sold. Uh, <laughs> on, I, fine, Mighty yes. Fine Podcast. That's right. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever. Uh, the, all the apps, CastBox. Awesome. I can awesome. keep going with the apps. But uh, it's the George CastBox. CastBox. CastBox, okay. okay. yeah. Okay. CastBox. For Android right. or iOS. Yeah, the Jordan Harbinger Show. It's just named after me, Jordan Harbinger. You just search for my name in there. Fantastic. And find me there. And I'm at Jordan Harbinger on Twitter, if anyone still uses that, and Instagram. Twitter? What's that? Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Ask Donald Trump. He uses it all the time. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> yeah, at Jordan Harbinger. But, but you're, you're on the Instagrams now. I just got my K yesterday. Yes. Where instead of saying 9,999, it says 10K. We like that. I like that. I feel very, very special now. Yeah. Having yeah. received it's, that. It's a good feeling. It is. Yeah. And then you look at someone else and they have like 1.7 million and you go, wow, I'm like a rounding error on their profile. <laughs> and then they post a picture of their iced coffee and it gets 68,000 likes. And you're like, I'm like, I will literally never get that many likes. On <laughs> I could have a child myself. Tomorrow, I'll be the first man to give birth. 67,000 likes. <laughs> Still not as much as Charlemagne the God's iced coffee. I love it. I love it. Well, check out Jordan's show. And uh, thanks again for coming on. Thanks for having me, man. Really. And there you have it, guys. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of Neon Radio with Jordan Harbinger. I am your host, Nick Onkin. And if you enjoyed today's episode, I would love it if you could help me out by going over to the Apple Podcasts app or iTunes and leaving us a good review of what you learned and how it has helped your life. And I would love it if you could share this out over on the interwebs. You can use neonradio.com slash EP148. There's a quick short link. Put that in your Instagram, social media. We're at Neon Life and at Nick Onkin on Instagram. Those are the primary modes. If you want to join the community, go over to neonlife.com slash community and join the Facebook group with other creatives. And with that, you know what time it is. It's time to go out and create your life by creating every small moment. And we'll see you next time.